Hello and welcome to the Christmas 2020 edition of the Try Talking Sport podcast hosted by me, Joanne Murphy. Whether you are an athlete, adventurer, endurance enthusiast or simply have an interest in sport, you have come to the right place for inspiration, encouragement, motivation and just a little bit of entertainment. Crikey, we are only days away from the 25th of December. The last few weeks have really passed in a blur. And no, before you ask, there was no alcohol involved. Just lots of daily swims and time spent in the saddle on Zwift working up a sweat. I know we are living through a peculiar time, but it always seems once we hit the end of November, time just flies by. Maybe it's the darker evenings, the build up to Christmas, or the excitement of getting a few days of downtime as we approach the end of the year. It's hard to believe this is episode 44 of the podcast. This time last year, we were headed towards 10,000 downloads of the show. And now we are within touching distance of 50,000 downloads. I am so grateful and so excited. 50,000 downloads. Thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone who has tuned in, subscribed and left a review of the show. Please keep sharing and supporting it. It means a lot. And even more importantly, we are sharing more and more inspiring stories of sport with a greater audience. If you have been following our social media, you will see that we have been spreading lots of sparkle and joy with our Christmas cracker competition with race entries, products and lots of surprises to be won right through the month of December. Be sure to follow Try Talking Sport on Facebook and Instagram so you don't miss out. In a blatantly shameless plug, we have a limited supply of bobble hats currently available for purchase. The pink ones are due in later this week. So if you are looking for a treat for yourself or someone else, these are the perfect accessory to any winter training wardrobe. Check them out on www.trytalkingsport.com. Last Sunday, I was delighted to support Team Ireland Cycling on their virtual charity spin in support of the Irish Cancer Society and Friends of the Cancer Centre in Derry. Over €5,500 has been raised through the virtual spin, which is amazing. I signed up to the 100k option and despite the legs not feeling the love at 8am on Sunday morning, by the time I got off the bike three hours later, I was buzzing. We had a great crew cycling and chatting the whole way through. Definitely made the time go faster. And dare I say it, it was a fun turbo session. Bouncing around in the super high tide and salt hill on Sunday evening definitely helped with the recovery post spin. And this weekend, I'll be joining my fellow Black Rock Mermaids to do our official Christmas dip in support of the RNLI Galway Lifeboat Station who do amazing work here in Galway. We're still going strong with the Try Talking Sport and the Park Try Monday Night Swift Spins. And this coming Monday, the 21st of December, we are holding our festive spin up the Alp. There'll be plenty of huffing and puffing on the climb to the top, but we also have some surprises to give away on the spin. So if you fancy joining us, please get in touch. If you've never done the climb, this is a great opportunity to tick that box so you can actually eat a whole selection box on Christmas Day. I'm joking. Now, to this week's guest, Michelle Heenahan from Mayo has spent the last 10 years in Canada embracing an active lifestyle and a passion for triathlon and running coupled with a love for exploration. A competitive track and field and cross-country runner as a young athlete, her interest in sport faded as she moved from secondary school to university, taking a break from the sport but continuing to remain active through her love of Gaelic football. It wasn't until she moved to Canada in 2010 that the running bug caught up with her again. And she found triathlon and endurance sport in 2012 when a running injury sidelined her to cycling and swimming. And so began a love story with swim, bike and run. Michelle raced at all distances of triathlon as a successful age group athlete and in 2019 dipped her toes into the world of being a professional triathlete. 
Racing at Ironman Ireland in June of last year was a very proud day for her and her family when mental grit, digging deep and sheer determination saw her finish as fourth professional female on the day. Ready to embrace this whole new world of being a professional triathlete in 2020, it was not to be due to COVID-19. And instead of training and racing her way through the year and around the world, she is embarking on an adventure of a different nature with the birth of her baby due early in 2021. This was a lovely chat and felt more like a catch-up with an old friend than an interview. Michelle is laid back and down to earth with a strong focus, work ethic and determination to succeed. I have no doubt we will be seeing lots of podium performances from Michelle in the future. As this is the last show before Christmas and before we go to the chat with Michelle, I'd just like to wish you all healthy and happy Christmas. Have fun, keep smiling and stay safe. Enjoy the show. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. It is a wild day in Galway, but where are we getting to hear from you? Um, I'm in Vancouver, BC in Canada, and it's only, yeah, I guess just after eight o'clock in the morning here. And weirdly enough, the sun is shining. <laughs> Usually in November, it's kind of not dissimilar to Ireland. We get a lot of a lot of rain, but we get a lot of kind of cold blue days as well. So this week has been nice of just low temperatures, blue skies and just chilly. Yeah, so we don't get the wind of the west. You don't get the wind of the west, even though you are no. from you are from the west of Ireland. Yeah, from Clamars, County Mayo. <laughs> what brought the Mayo girl all the way to Canada? Was it love, work, or something else? I guess I'll have to say it was work, and then love followed me. But we won't get into that, or we might be here all day, um, <laughs> or he'll kill me. Um, no, in two thousand and ten or two thousand and nine, I had just moved back from Newcastle. I just finished my physio degree, and it was kind of that time where there wasn't much jobs or opportunity. In Ireland, and I guess I was kind of sick of just living for the weekend, and I had partied probably too hard for many years, and I was like, I need a change of scenery. So I had looked into kind of where to move to, was trying to pick between Canada and Australia, and then didn't really know much about Canada, but it was near for getting home, and I was like, heard of the two big cities, Toronto and Vancouver, and yeah, Vancouver sounded outdoorsy, there was mountains, there was lots of like activities, so yeah, chose Vancouver, waited a year to get a visa, and headed off in, yeah, November 2010. And you've never looked back since, you're, nearly ten, you're 10 years there now, are you? Yeah, 10 years, it's crazy. Time just flies, like, definitely the longer you're here, the the more you miss home but you go back and forth it's a very a, a weird spot and of course it's been kind of a, a weird year for you to use that word because obviously uh, covid struck but then you have the joy of a pregnancy and a new baby due in february 2021 so it's been a doubly strange year for you this year yeah it's been a, a very different 2020 than i originally had planned out had planned 2020 to kind of work a little bit less train more intensely and kind of have a good solid year of racing and see where I could be at before, you know, before seeing what more I could do in the triathlon world. Um, but yeah, that took a bit of a spin in, started off well, January, went to California, did a bike camp for a week and then flew back. And then we normally drive down to Arizona in our, our makeshift van. But this year we were like, no, we'll focus more on training. We'll fly down. Of course, that was March, I think, early March. And then mid-March, everything all over the news is COVID. And 
yeah, everyone's just like, you got to get back. You got to come back over the border. You're going to get stuck down in the US. So I think we cut our training camp short by 10 days and arrived back to the unknown world and back to working in the hospital, which was a kind of a weird zone at that time as well. So how has COVID impacted life generally in Canada, not just for you, but I suppose, you know, in Ireland, we've gone through level three restrictions. We've gone through level five now for the past uh, six weeks. We're just out of them. Uh, Well, by the time this goes to air, we'll be out of of the COVID restrictions about a week and a half or two weeks. But in Canada, has it been as strict as Ireland? Um, It's been interesting to watch both and be on the phone to mom at home and hearing what's going on in Ireland and what's happening here. It's definitely been quite different. I would say watching Ireland go into kind of two strict lockdowns, like one that you've just come out of and then one at the very beginning. I would say it's never been as strict here the whole time, but then we've also never, I feel like you guys came out of more in the summer. I feel like we've kind of just been in level three kind of the whole time. So literally, like there hasn't been one race here since uh, I would say February. I was just dying to fly home. I saw some local triathlon races going on. So you see a few races in Europe. Um, So I'd say we've kind of just been status quo the whole time since March with kind of a spike lately. And now they've kind of put back more restrictions about meeting people and stuff. Yeah, I'd say we never went into full lockdown like like at home. It's been a strange world. <laughs> it's, it certainly has. Um, so before we talk about uh, the, the Baba and about the training and about the racing, bring us back. How did Michelle end up in the world of triathlon and indeed stamping her pro ticket for triathlon and racing at Ironman Ireland in 2019 as a professional athlete? Um, you're really going to make my baby brain work here and I'll have to, <laughs> I have to think back. But yeah, I guess in... The summer 2010, before I flew over to Canada, I was like, I need to stop drinking and just partying. Like I want to, you know, I want to do what I used to love doing when I was younger. Um, And I was like, I want to get back running. So at that time, I think you probably remember as well, that time of the recession, everyone just started to seem to start running again at home. Whereas before I'd be, I remember my dad would train me, I'd be mortified to be seen out in the road. I'd want to go down a bog road so no one would see me running. But running kind of started to take off in Ireland. So I did a few local races, not with any training, but just to kind of be fit. Then when I moved here, kind of joined an athletic club and started running kind of more intensely and probably too intensely. That left me in 2012, probably with most of that year, just not being able to run with plantar fasciitis. So I had a friend actually from Claremaris as well that was over here that had um, joined a tri club. And he was like, well, if you can't run, at least try do a bit of swimming and biking and then you'll pull through the 5K run. It was just for a sprint race that was coming up. So that was, I think, uh, September, maybe 2012. So borrowed a friend's bike, had no clips. (laughs) I think borrowed a wetsuit. Did the swim, the bike, got through the run and actually ended up, I think, getting an age group podium or that year. And I was like, oh, geez, this is not too bad. I like it. I'm not too bad at it. And it kind of spiraled from there. So where did you go after that then? What was the next the next step on the triathlon journey? So probably from, I would say, 2012, kind of 2014, of course, you start doing them and you see these people doing Ironmans and half Ironmans. You're like, I'd never do that. That's just mad. Why would you why would you kill yourself like that? But I would say, yeah, so 2012, 2014, um, kind of did some sprints progressing to the Olympic because I'm a terrible swimmer. So the longer you have on the bike and the run, I have more hope of um, having a better race. 
So I think it was in the end of 2014, um, myself and I guess he was my boyfriend at that time. Now my husband, we went down, we saw a half iron in Arizona and we were like, well, that'll be a good city to visit. I'm sure you can do the race as well. So I did the half iron down in Arizona in Austin and yeah, nearly died on the run from the heat. (laughs) Wasn't used to it, got through it, but actually did all right. And I think I was, I got an age group prize at that time and had qualified for the 70.3 worlds which I hadn't a clue what they were offering me um, because I was just blind to the world of Ironman so I just I didn't take it that time I didn't really know what it was about and then it kind of spiraled I guess from there from 2014 I kept kind of increasing the distance flew home in 2016 and did my first I guess full distance um, where you are right now challenge Galway that was another lovely day. I remember being just down on the West Coast. You couldn't see a thing. I remember riding by this American girl and she was like, I came for the views, but I can't see Anthony. I was like, no, it's just fog and hail today. That's all you'll see. So that was a, a tough race. And that opened my eyes to the world of full distance racing. Had a lot of stomach issues on the run. My poor mother was distraught watching me. She was like, do not just want to stop. But stubborn enough, I just wanted to, it was my first one. I wanted to just finish it where she was more like, you've got your wedding in a week. Why are you doing this to yourself? So you came home and raced Challenge Galway a week before your wedding? Yeah, to my mother's despair. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, that was an interesting week or two at home. You're lucky you didn't fall off your bike or get a bang in the in the swim in your face or anything. Oh, like. no. And that's all she was thinking of. Like, yeah, because she'd come before to a race. It was on the ITU races in London and it was a wet day and everyone was flying off the bikes. But, you know, that's the draft race. It's much easier to fall. So I think she must have said a million prayers that day for me just to cross that line and not be in a total wreck. So the race went well. The wedding went ahead without a hitch. Yeah, yeah, it all went well and got married, <laughs> came back to Canada. <laughs> came back to Canada and then what happened? Um, so what, that would be 2016 and then I guess 2017, raced some more halves and... And then you went to Kona in 2018. Yeah, 2017 was kind of, um, I think it was a rough year with injuries, but I did the ITU Worlds in... Um, Penticton that time representing Ireland, but I had a calf tear, so I ended up doing the aqua bike. Um, so her mom and dad had come over to see the full triathlon, but ended up doing the aqua bike, but did quite well. And I think was first for Ireland that year in my age group. So it was kind of a, a proud moment because mom and dad were there with the with the Irish flag and we were here racing in Canada. So it was a, a nice day. But yeah, 2018 was kind of, I would say, more of a breakthrough year. I think the beginning of 2018, we decided to um, buy a van, a Toyota Hi-Ace, which might sound mad to people at home buying a Hi-Ace to take off down to the States. <laughs> so we bought a van, took out all the seats, put a bed in, headed off with our bikes um, down to the States for three and a half months. And that's when I kind of had a breakthrough with um, with my racing. I did... We stayed in Tucson to do a training camp, exploring Tucson for a few months. Then we drove down to Texas to do Texas 70.3. And I'd say that was my first half iron where I felt like I had a solid race. I broke four hours 40, which kind of gave me the time to apply for my pro card um, for racing like professionally. Yeah, we went from there to Utah, did a bit more training, just explored Utah, went to California and did... um, 
the famous race Wildflower. That's a big Jesse Thomas race, wasn't it? Yes, yes. He's the iconic for running it with his aviators, kind of unknown, and comes out of nowhere to, uh, I think, win it. So that's a, if it ever comes back, it's a unbelievable race. Nothing like the Ironman world. Um, you camp, so you go to this big kind of place in the middle of nowhere. You camp the night before, and then you race. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Uh, very tough race, hilly, hot, but I had a good race at that as well. I think I was first in my age group. And then from there, we discovered a bit more California, drove back to Vancouver, settled for a few weeks, got on a plane again, off to Hawaii for the Hawaii half. So it was at that race, the Hawaii half, that um, I qualified for Kona. So you really embraced the camper and active outdoor lifestyle for like that two years of racing, exploring, doing really well and what was different though was it the fact that you weren't working or that you weren't working full-time that you had more time to train yeah I definitely think so when you're working and coming home and training your your days are just absolutely packed um but then in hindsight when you come back (laughs) from a trip you're like I've got no money so you almost work even harder so there's a, there's definitely been a learning curve, but that time when we're away in the van, not working, yeah, you can see such benefits. You get to rest. That's the biggest thing. You get to rest. Whereas a normal day, if I'm working and training here, your alarm is going off at 4.30. But once you come home from work and do your second training session, like you're not finished until 8.30 and then you're getting into bed again to get up at 4.30 again the next day. So it's just a bit, it's a bit much on your body and that's when injury kind of comes up. And also working as a physio, it's a very physical job to be doing on your feet all the time, working on patients all the time. I mean, it's not like you can go out and suddenly take a break whenever you want. I'm sure it's a jam-packed schedule throughout the whole day and the week. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's like sometimes I dream of like, could I just have an office job and be sitting, be able to put my feet up, put on some compression socks and just, you know, take it a bit more easy. But I love being a physio too. So yeah, it's trying to get a happy medium. But 2020, I was going to try like be very good about it and just work less and try focus on training. But it's all learning. It's all learning. Well, you raced in Kona in 2019. Um, we were chatting before we started recording the show today and you mentioned that you don't do well in the heat. Definitely not. You'd think being here for 10 years and having somewhat hot summers that I would have lost the the Irish genes a bit. But no, I don't do well in the heat. Kona was very tough for me. Um, I even remember coming out of the water and you think I thought the water was boiling the whole way through the swim. And I looked down at my legs and only out of the water, I'm, I'm already in a heat rash and I'm only starting the bike. And I remember just struggling the whole way through the bike, just having no just no reserve. I was just dead. I was just overheated. Even as much fuel and food I got into me, I just could never get going. And I remember coming into the, I guess, T2 and I was in the tent and I looked to my right and I see Emma Pallant and I'm like, oh God, there's a pro here. Maybe I can keep going. Like she's ready to take off. So I remember her taken off and I got myself together lathered on some more sun cream (laughs) to the redness I already was and took off but it was the longest longest marathon I just I never walked so much in my life through a marathon but I wasn't going to not finish Kona so I got through but it was a very 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 disappointing race and it's interesting after learning about the heat and all that Emma Pallant has done a lot of like talking about how she doesn't do well in the heat either and She's had to 
stop doing a lot of like the full irons in heat because of that. It's incredible what the body will endure and then what it won't let you endure. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I've had a lot of, I won't get into gory details about races with stomach issues and that. It's it's pretty mad. And your mind just overrides it. Whereas on a normal day, you just, you wouldn't push yourself through that. But do you think being a physio, you're more in tune with what your body is capable of and also how far you're able to push your limits. Whereas somebody like me won't know when is the right time to stop if we're in pain. Definitely. Um, and I should listen to my physio mind, but you almost know what it is. And you're like, Ara, maybe I just won't use my physio head today. And you go totally into athlete mode and you kind of sometimes push yourself too much. And I think that's a learning curve as well that I've learned if you push through something, it's not like injury, especially it's not it's not worth it. It'd be what I'd tell my patients. But sometimes your athlete mind overrides the physio knowledge. And you probably learned more from participating in the Ironman World Championships on that day about yourself and your body and what you're able to withstand than you would have in another race that you might have done somewhere else. 100 percent. You have to have these bad races. You have to have these moments of like digging deep and being like, what am I doing? Like I looked around sometimes as I'm walking out in the middle of Hawaii, the middle of nowhere, going, oh, am I going to really keep walking? But yeah, you learn a lot about yourself. You learn how tough you are. And it takes these bad days to kind of take the lessons and kind of move forward to have better days. Now, you say it was a bad race, but it actually was a good time. I mean, you did well on the day. So tell us, what was your finish time in Kona? And there are so many people that would take your right hand off you to get to Kona. Oh, I know. I think, you know, when you put so much pressure on yourself and you don't have the the time of the race that you want, it's um, it's disappointing. But oh, God, now you're making me really work my baby brain to remember times. Um, I think I finished in 11.10. That was 11 hours 10. That's still incredible. Not where I wanted to be. <laughs> I know, but it's still an incredible time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I know. It's it's all relevant, though, when you put so much pressure on yourself and you've put so much training in. And yeah, like my marathon time was way, way off, but I call it a marathon walk for me that day. <laughs> you've got the extreme heat of Hawaii in 2018 and you decide yeah. to come home to Ireland in June of 2019 for the inaugural Ironman Ireland. The weather was so far removed from what you had experienced in Hawaii. Worst day of rain probably in the whole year. Uh, wild wind, cancelled swim, so much fun. Yeah, oh my God, it was like classic, classic Irish weather, but not really for summer. But my dad had warned me when I told him I'd signed up that we were all going to go down to y'all that Ironman Ireland was on. He was like, are you prepared for the Irish weather? I think they think I've got soft since coming over here and I'm always in the sun or heading down to the States to find the sunny weather. But, you know, Joanne, like everyone talks about Kona, but I'm telling you, Ironman Ireland was like absolutely unbelievable from start to finish with the atmosphere, even with the rain. It just it just blew my mind and reminded me how good like the Irish people are and the support and the people standing under their umbrellas out in the middle of nowhere on that bike course in floods was the only thing that would get you around that course. It was absolutely amazing. I mean, I have a big fondness for Ironman Wales, but Ironman Wales is just Ironman Wales. It was my first full distance announcing job. And it's a very special place. I always feel like I'm coming home when I go to Tenby. But Tenby is 10 years old, should have been 10 years 
uh, running this year now. It'll be 10th anniversary next year. But yeah. Ironman Ireland had the essence of what Ironman Wales has. And it was only in its infancy, like its first year. It was incredible. You, you couldn't make it up. Like I have goosebumps oh, thinking no, about it's... it. It's crazy. I remember starting because they'd cancelled the swim and then all of a sudden we, at one stage, we were in under, I was in under a lurry trying to stay dry that morning and tried to stay warm. And my poor dad was like hanging around the transition, you know, waiting to see what would happen. But I remember like starting that morning, just the amount of Irish supporters that were out there in the rain. And I remember taking, my dad will kill me for saying this, but taking one look at dad before they announced me to start off. And he was just, I could see it in his face, like how like proud he was and how, you know, and it just gave me goosebumps. And then as you took off just from transition, the row of Irish people the whole way out till you hit the main road. And I should have been down in aero and concentrating, but I had to take it in and I couldn't help but just wave at everyone because I was like I can't it was just unbelievable it was heartwarming it was the only thing and then as you know the hill windmill hill how will we forget it windmill hill oh my god I remember so I was here and I hadn't been to y'all I don't think I'd ever been to y'all and um I'd see people on these treads of Ironman Ireland talking about windmill hill and I'm like geez it can't be that bad it's only a hill and I remember we went, when we got to y'all, I was like, well, Higgins, we better check out Windmill Hill, see what the talk is all about. And we drove and we got to the bottom and I'm like, okay, people weren't joking. This is a bit of a hill. This is pretty steep. It was horrendous. So I remember that day thinking, am I going to get up this hill? Am I going to get up it? So you turn the corner and the rain is just flooding down. But there's people either side of you so you have nowhere you just have to go up straight you can barely even weave to make it any easier Uh, but people were just screaming at you and you're like well I can't I just have to pedal I just have to keep getting up and dad was screaming and this man was screaming and yeah it just got you up I somehow got up that hill twice without without tipping over I I think as well when you turned right coming back in to start the hill you turned Mm. right there when you you just turned yeah you just turned you took that sharp turn and even though you could see the hill now I only walked it I I mean I walked it before the race but I walked it I ran it kind of trying to get up the hill um on the day (laughs) trying to run I remember myself and Mike Riley in the lashing rain trying to run and we big bags on us and the wet gear and everything we're having great fun but it's like um it's almost like the hill seemed a little bit flatter because of the crowds, because you couldn't actually see the scape around you. You couldn't see the height of the hedges because it was just so deep of people. I mean, there was golf umbrellas. It's an iconic image now of that scene going up Windmill Hill. And it is it is horrendous, but it's doable. So anybody who's signed up for, for 2021, it is doable. Just get plenty of hill training in. Don't be frightened about it. It is doable. No, don't be frightened about it. And if you are frightened about it, just let the people drag you up because they will cheer the head off you and you'll keep pedaling. And then, of course, coming into the finish, you must have been incredibly proud of what you had achieved. And you finished fourth in the race on the day, which was absolutely amazing. There were so many people, professional athletes, age group athletes, that just they didn't either start it, they didn't get to the finish line. You must have been incredibly proud as an Irish woman crossing the finish line on home soil in your first professional full distance race. Oh, yeah. Trying to keep in the tears and (laughs) coming by that line was just, yeah, something else. And the support even on that run course of like, I've never got it in any other race. Like, 
the same Irish people in the same spot telling you, you know, telling you where you were the last time you passed was just unbelievable. And we were lucky enough that my friend had a, her uncle owned a house right at the finish line. So that's where we were renting. So my mom and sister were in there and they used to hide a bit from the rain, get a cup of tea, come back out. So I'd see them every lap. And then poor dad was down right at the the ocean because <laughs> he was like, that's a cold spot. No one's down there and he wanted to be there. So he looked as disheveled as I did by the end of the race from standing in the cold, not eating all day, getting the, the blustery wind down there. And then I had Higgins around the course and... And my other friend Georgina ran there as well. But oh, like goosebumps and tears coming to the the end of that race. Yeah, it felt so tough, but I was proud that I had got through it and was able to come come forth. Were you prouder of your performance in Ireland versus your performance in Kona? I have to say, yeah, definitely, definitely. And everyone talks about Kona, but I think I was blind to the world of Kona. I didn't grow up fully following triathlon. Um just all the fields of Ireland. It just brought me back to being home. And just the grit I put in that day was probably more grit than I have ever put in. And do you miss not being back in Ireland? <laughs> um, I'd be lying if I said I didn't. Yeah, 100%. And the longer, the longer you're out here, like, the more you miss it. You know, I did another race, I think, when I was home another time. And it was just a road race. And I remember going back into the hall and there was like tea and sandwiches and stuff. And I'm like, you don't find this anywhere else. You don't find this anywhere else in the world, you know? Um, so you definitely do. You miss, you miss people. And I remember actually in Conan, you've had him, I think maybe both of them on your podcast before, like meeting Emmett Kelly and yeah. Owen Martin. And just them taking you under their wing and like finding out actually what the triathlon community is at home. It's, it's pretty big. It's very strong. There's a big, huge it's sense very of strong. Yeah. community, connection and belonging definitely within the triathlon community in Ireland, for sure. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's big, but yet it's quite small. What's been lovely for you coming from Canada into an Irish team in Kona? Oh, it's lovely. It's lovely because you just connect right away. You never lose that connection. And there's something about Irish people that just take you under their wing and they'd bring me to the pier in the morning and do the swims because they were very experienced at Kona and I was just blind. I had never, you know, I hadn't, I didn't know what to expect. And they just gave me all the advice they had and just made me feel at ease. So what fuels the passion for triathlon now? Um... I've always, I think, been competitive. There's no denying that. If you ask my family as well, even if we're playing a board game or anything, I want to win. I just love it. I just love that there's three sports. I'm not a swimmer, so I have a chance with the um, the bike and the run, you know, to really make up ground there. I love that triathlon has brought me to so many different places as well. Like we've visited so many different cities, countries, and I just love trying to be... I know it might sound cliche, but a better version of myself, like trying to get better all the time. And I just love competing. I love racing. Uh, you sent me on a lovely quote, being a competitive, oh <laughs> driven human with a whole lot of energy. Triathlon fits right in. Training and racing allows me to challenge and push myself whilst having a whole lot of fun doing so. And I think that kind of sums up the sport of triathlon in a beautiful way. Yeah, there's just, you meet so many people, you have so much fun along the way. And yeah, it's my personality. I'm a, probably a bit more laid back than some other pros. And I, I, I like to have fun while I'm out there. You know, I really like to take it all in, smile, enjoy it. Because yeah, I think that's important. If you're not having fun, like, why are you doing it? 
Well, yeah, exactly. Even if it is your profession, you've got to be having fun doing yeah. it because you've got to enjoy it to want to continue to do it and to continue to push yourself and to push your body to the limits every time. But you're going to be pushing your body to the limits in a different way very shortly when the new arrival comes. So tell us about the excitement around the Baba. Yeah, Baba was not in the plan for 2020. So it's definitely um, what they call a COVID baby. I guess it came to May and in kind of the world of COVID was getting more and more. It looked like races were getting cancelled left, right and centre. And we kind of sat back, had a chat, the two of us, and we're like, it doesn't look like anything will be happening till spring 2021. So we're like, sure, why not? This might be a good time. Um, see what happens. So we were very lucky. We got pregnant quite quickly, um, which we're very, very thankful for. We know it's not always that easy. Yeah. And the baby is due, I guess, February 2021. Exciting and life changing. Like we were sitting here last night thinking, oh, I'm going to have a I'll be on mat leave like I'm ready to get back training and stuff. But it'll be a whole different kettle of fish with a, a baby on board, too. And how has the pregnancy gone? Um, I don't want to sound like I'm moaning Michael here, but um, it hasn't been a smooth road for me. That's a pure Irish uh, thing to say, a moaning Michael or a pedantic Pat. You definitely haven't <laughs> turned into a Canadian. No, not fully, not fully. <laughs> Thankfully, my parents would kill me if I sounded full on Canadian. They'd think I'd never come back. <laughs> you better give them a shout out here now because they'll be listening. All right. You've mentioned them a couple of times, but give us their names so they get a shout um, out. So, yeah, mom is Phil and dad is Christy. So we'll shout out to them a big hello. <laughs> <laughs> a big virtual hug and a wave. There we go. Yeah, we should have been home in June, but uh, c'est la vie. So hopefully next summer we'll be, we'll be home. <laughs> Pregnancy was a rough road. Um, it was all excitement, roses, and then came to the six-week six point. I think we were heading up to Whistler for a little getaway. And the pregnancy hit me like a ton of bricks that I was not not ready for. You hear about morning sickness, but I hadn't heard that much about pregnant sickness, apart from some girl that um, worked with me as well. And she had had a very rough, rough go of it. And yeah, just all day, every day for weeks and weeks, puking, crying, <laughs> nauseated, just all day, every day. And it just wasn't going away. Um, thankfully, over the last, I'd say, couple of months, I've been on medication and it's keeping it somewhat at bay that I'm not puking every day, but I'm always in this kind of wave, wave of nausea. So yeah, me and pregnancy, we're not very good friends. <laughs> so have you managed to keep up any level of training? I know you're still working full time at the moment. So are you exhausted from the pregnancy and working that training has kind of had to take a little bit of a, a back step? Or are you just tipping along now and trying to keep your sanity with a little bit of training? Yeah, so I would say at the beginning, I was very, very hard on myself because I had this vision in my head that I'd get pregnant, I'd be training right up until probably, you know, the last trimester and all would be great. So I was awful hard on myself at the beginning that I would come home from work and all I would do is lie in bed and feel like just dead. Um, but I would say I've tried as much as possible, as you described, more ticking along, being active versus training kind of just with the way things were, it just, I couldn't keep it up. So I'm swimming here and there. Um, the running has kind of come to a stall. I've just too much pain when I run now. We did a little 10K, a few Irish over here. We did a kind of virtual 10K, the same time as the Dublin marathon, marathon virtual. Yeah, so we did a little 10K. But it's been very just 
easy going, see what I can do. Right now it's try to get out in the snow in the mountains and just do a little hike and that, but very lucky. Just yeah. keep an active. I've come to terms with it. Just keep an active. Yeah. Because you're just in a funny mindset first because you go from full on training and that's all you think about to all of a sudden I feel like absolute rubbish and I can barely get through the day. So it's a big shock, but then you do come to terms with them and I'm much, much better headspace now than I was at the beginning. It'll be life changing and very different and it'll take a couple of months after baby arrives to probably feel half normal and alive again before I can kind of get back to somewhat training. It puts things in perspective. You're like, you know what? Training isn't everything. This is the stage in our, our lives that we've chosen and let's enjoy it and see what happens. No and pressure. You might come back, you might surprise yourself and come back even stronger and fitter than ever. Isn't that what they say after women have had babies, that they do come back stronger and so God knows what you'll be up to in Kona in the future. Let's see, let's see. Yeah, they say, what do they call it? Mama strength or something? Or something like baby that. Baby strength, something like that. So fingers crossed I get a good dose of that after having baby. <laughs> as long as you don't get the COVID, you'll be grand. Oh, stop. I know. I don't want to hear that word anymore. But it, you know what? We laugh and I give out about COVID so much. But I'm like, if there wasn't COVID, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have tried for a baby for another few years. So there's good and bad to it all. There is. There is. So looking to the future then and, and looking to maybe when you do get back racing, what, what's on the cars? Where would you like to be when you do come back? Oh, you'll laugh. Hopefully in Ireland listening to you. That might be, it might be a long shot. Like in my heart, I would love to be, be around for Ironman Ireland next year because it actually works out better because it's now in, I guess, August, August isn't it? They yeah. moved it to August. So that would probably work better, but that's, that might be a fairy tale, but we'd see. I'd love to, I'd love to come back and race Ironman Ireland and make that a, a comeback race sure you could always do the 70.3 and then save the full distance for the following year that's no, the thing no pressure that's the thing no pressure no pressure at all and my mother would love that she's always like would you not do think of just doing 10ks and little 5ks that's much better on the body i think all irish mammies are the exact same they're so so supportive but don't quite understand why the hell i would want to do put myself through an iron man even I see my own mother and I, I say, I'm going on Zwift tonight. Oh, killing yourself. Killing yeah. yourself. What are you <laughs> doing classic. getting into the sea? I'm getting into the sea every day. What are you doing I getting in there? I know, you're brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love it though. Just, I love it. Yeah. yeah. Does no, it make you feel so, so good every day? Like wide awake and more alive? Yeah, like I kind of don't like getting out of the warm, comfy bed now in December. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's been part of what I've become over COVID. So the silver yeah. linings of COVID. As I was saying in the last podcast with uh, Nikki Bradley, like I didn't uh, work in front of an audience since the 8th of March. Like that's the last time I've actually worked in front of a live audience announcing in front of people. And you lose your sense of identity, I think, when your work is such a huge part of your life and it's part of your passion and your fun and everything. And then suddenly it's all taken away from you but I had neglected my own training and consistency in training over the past couple of years. So being able to get back on the bike, a little bit of running, get into the sea, definitely has given me a sense of purpose every day. And I love it. And the crack is mighty. And it's like every day, if you're lucky enough to wake up in the morning, then you're lucky enough to be able to go down to the sea. 
There's loads of people can't go to the sea. So if I can go to it and I can get into it, then I'm a lucky girl. And that's kind of how I've looked at it as well. Sense of purpose, sense of achievement. Yes, it's freezing, um, but I do love it. You know, we get loads of messages and texts from people saying, oh, I got into the sea today or I've decided to take up sea swimming or, you know, I've, I've signed up to Zwift or whatever. And you're just like, OK, well, it's having an impact somewhere. So me being a total nutcase getting into the sea with all the rest of the other nutcases. And I say that in the nicest possible way, not disrespecting anybody who's getting into the sea. But it yeah. kind of makes it all feel worthwhile that you're actually making a difference. And that's huge for me as well, because I miss the difference I make on an Ironman finish line. I miss calling somebody across the finish line, being part of that journey for 10 seconds to welcome them across the line. So long answer to your short question. Yeah, definitely. No, love no, it. It's, um, it's brilliant because, yeah, if you can inspire people to just get out, be active, and especially in this time when there's just not that much to do and people are missing that connection, just being outside is just will make you feel better. Yeah, absolutely. So, no, and I think, we're, I think we're so lucky that we have sport and we have this type of sport that we're able to go out and do it whenever we want, really. Even within a level five restriction of five kilometers, you can still go out for a walk. You can do a run. You can cycle inside if you have to. You can do a weight session. But if you don't have triathlon or have this type of an individual sport, you're going to struggle a bit. 100%, yeah. So you to know, inspire some people to get out and about is unbelievable yeah, no, it's, it is it's great and I love it and sure look at all the people I get to meet and um, that we get to chat to as well throughout the world you know so it's it's brilliant and uh, you know I'm very grateful that there have been Covid silver linings and I've managed to avoid catching it which is one of the things that we all want to try and do but look it's brilliant being able to do it in terms of coming back to Ireland do you think will you ever come back full time or is Canada where you're going to stay now house home okay. family baby everything set up Oh, God, now you're putting me on the spot. You might have to <laughs> cover both our parents' ears. <laughs> um, no, definitely in my heart, I can see myself like being in Ireland. Um, I might have to persuade my husband a bit more. But um, And is he Irish? Yeah, you just he's Irish as well. So he's, ah, yeah. as well. he's, only, right. he's only down the road. Um, I won't get into that long story of how we met and me coming here and then him coming here. But yeah, I think both of us like you just miss family um you miss friends and you just yeah you just miss being at home it's a hard choice to make when you've kind of set up your life here and kind of both our life together has just been here opportunity has been so fantastic here in Canada as well um so we definitely go back and forth but I think my heart tugs me more towards <laughs> towards Ireland but we can't plan too much and it's such a weird time with COVID to even kind of even make set plans as well so I think I guess we'll do the same thing we've been saying for the last 10 years we'll see see what happens we'll see we'll see what happens well it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and getting to know you a little bit better and I hope our listeners enjoy hearing some of your story and I have no doubt we will see you back in Ireland at some point whether that's to race at Ironman Ireland next year or the year after or maybe in a couple of other races I can't wait to see you on a finish line and wish you the very best of luck with the rest of your pregnancy and happy Christmas happy Christmas to you too thanks Joanne so great to talk to you I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget you can get in touch with any feedback or guest suggestions by emailing me on trytalkingsport at gmail.com. Don't forget you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts and keep sharing and telling your friends to subscribe to the show so that we can reach 50,000 downloads by Christmas Day. 
I'd love to connect with you on social media. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and Instagram. Pop by and say hi and let me know what you think of the show. If you're new to Try Talking Sport, please do check out some of our previous episodes. You will be totally impressed and inspired by our guests. Have a wonderful Christmas and thanks as always for tuning in.